Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Little ones that are headed out, you guys can head out. I hope we have an adult going back there with them. Do we? Okay, we do. Ooh, good luck. Um... Let's uh, start with a word of prayer. I think the ushers are about done. Everybody's getting settled. Let's start with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into this week's message. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for this day, and I thank you that we are here. I ask now for your blessing on this service. Lord, I pray that you would guide and direct uh, each part that uh, happens from this point forward. Lord, for the very words that I say to be words that are pleasing and honoring to you and accurate to your word. I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. Um, so I'm not going to over, over review, but I do have to do a little review. Uh, and so I'm going to pop into that real quick. As you know, we're doing a series that uh, we've called Help and Hope for a Holy Life. The preface, uh, I think it was January the 26th, we started this. The preface uh, uh, where we began talked about how God calls you to be holy. Okay? So let's keep this real simple here. God calls you... In the Old Testament, he called his people, uh, uh, his ch- the children of Israel, he said, Be holy, for I am holy. This is restated in the New Testament. First uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, Peter says, Therefore you ought to be holy. Another translation of that word holy is a saint. This is what you're called to be. So if you're ever like, okay, what am I supposed to be in this world? This is what you're called to be. Holy. Uh, to be a saint. To be set apart for God's purposes. Um, this way of living... As one of God's people, as one of his saints, might require for you a change of mind. Okay, so you may have to change the way you approach life. There's a nice word for that change of mind found in the uh, Old Testament and the New Testament. It is the Greek word in the New Testament, metanoia, which means, uh, or which is translated, repent. You ever heard that word before? Repent uh, means change of mind. In fact, literally, it means meta uh, is. Kind of the word after, noia, which you've heard the word noia in some of our words, like paranoia, right? Metanoia uh, is after thought or after mind. And so it's, it's literally thinking, okay, after I've thought about what I'm doing, I, I'm going to change my mind, right? That's what the idea is there. Um, this way of living might require a change of mind so that next week uh, we took a look at repentance, not with steps, but with a picture of it from King David in Psalm 51. In that psalm, uh, we talked about who is God, who are you, and how those two things tie together in repentance. And then last week, we gave you uh, one that was, might be more pointed than you're used to hearing at Edgewood, right? Where I was pretty direct uh, about some specific ways that you might be able to repent, and I focused in on your words, and I have long believed, uh, and I told you last week that that's, that dates all the way back when I first started following after God in 1992. Um, I've, I've always believed this. This is one of the easiest, easiest ways that you can begin to show that you're one of God's people. is just by changing your words and uh, using them. In fact, I, I think you could say, I, I kept saying use your words last week, but I think you may have realized after we got done with that, words belong to God, don't they? And uh, we ought to be using them uh, for His glory and for His purposes. If you haven't listened to those sermons, I encourage you to hop online, listen to them. Um, 
we will make you a CD if we need to. If you're like, I don't know how to do that, I, I will come to your house and pull up my phone and play that sermon for you if all else fails. Um, this week, <clears throat> or I'll preach it to you myself. I'll just come to your house and preach it at you, right? Why, you don't need a recording if I, I'm there. Uh, this week, I want to start with a question, and uh, it's this. I, I worked on how to phrase this question. Is that too small? Some of you are looking at that. Wow, I did not realize I made it so tiny. I, as soon as I knew it was small, as soon as I, I was looking at you, you guys were all going. <laughs> I'm sorry, I apologize. I, did not, I hope the rest of them aren't that small. When a, when a, okay, so I, I struggled in how to phrase this question. Um, but I think it's an important one. I'll, put it, I'll, I'll, I'll read it the way I have it up there. When a Christian grows, like as in holiness, so you're, you become a Christian, and, and just to put your mind in the right direction, let's, let's be real honest here with each other. Some people, when they get saved, it's like this skyrocket of spiritual growth. Would you agree with that? Some people... They get saved and it seems like, you know, kind of like how my van runs, okay? Some are like my new car. Some are like my van, which is sitting in the backyard right now doing nothing. Full on redneck, right? Um, if I just had it up on blocks, right, that'd be perfect. But when a Christian grows, when one does grow spiritually, is God doing that? Or is the Christian doing that? What, what makes the difference is the question. What makes the difference? This is a multiple choice question. Okay? Choice A. Some of you, if I ask you this question, like what, in the end, what makes the difference between why this person went, and this person went, what makes the difference? I mean, it's God. Which is interesting if you go that route, because you go, and why doesn't he just do that with everybody? Okay? Some of you might go, it's the Christian. You might throw in there by faith. The Christian's not getting all the credit. You know? And some of you are like merging those two together. right? You know, God, but, but, but what is, in the end, what makes the difference between the one that goes vroom and the one that goes Pfft? What makes the difference? Choice A or choice B? Is it God or is it, what did you say? Their belief. I, I'm, you want to throw a third choice up there? Maybe some of you are frustrated because there's not a third choice. But, uh, when a Christian grows in holiness, is God doing that? Or is the Christian by faith? Choice C, yes. <laughs> yes. Wait. Is it God or the Christian? Yes. I, I'm gonna obviously I bolded that one, so I think I'm gonna go that direction. I introduce it this way because I'm gonna tell you right now the Bible teaches both. If someone says to you, "It's all God," and they go, "It's all God." Someone gets up here, I can't take any credit. It's all God. I would go, absolutely, praise the Lord. It's true. If someone came up to you and go, "Man, you gotta work at this." I go, absolutely, that's, a, that's true. Well, wait, I thought you were just praising it's all God. Yeah, no, that's true. But wait, but does it require your effort? Yes, absolutely. But, but it, who's doing it? Is it God? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. 
I have to say it this way because I'm going to tell you right now, that's what the Bible teaches. And at this church, that's what we do. We go, this is what the Bible says. If you go, I don't like that because I want to figure out where, where, the, where one stops and the other starts. It, I'm going to tell you right now. If there's a spot where one stops and the other starts, I, I don't know what that is. Because I'm just going to tell you what this is what the Bible teaches. There are places and passages in the Bible that say things like uh, Matthew 24, 13 or Matthew 10, 22, where Jesus says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Have you ever heard that verse before? Who, who does it sound like it's depending on with a verse like that? Sounds like the endurance of the Christian, doesn't it? Who's going to be saved? The one who endures to the end will be saved. That's what Jesus said. Or I could go to uh, 1 Timothy 4, 7, where Paul says, train yourself for the purpose of godliness. And the word train, uh, train yourself, sometimes it's translated exercise yourself. It's the Greek word gymnazo. Does that sound familiar? What's that sound like? Gymnasium. That's where we get the word gymnasium. That's why it's translated exercise yourself, train yourself. It's a word that has that, that idea to it. Train yourself, exercise yourself for the purpose of godliness. Some of you are like, he said gymnasium, I'm out. <laughs> okay, but that's, that's, what the word, that's what the word means. There needs to be some exercise. In fact, Paul goes on from there to talk about in that particular passage, bodily exercise profiteth little, but then he goes into this, but train yourself, exercise yourself for the purpose of godliness. So there's, there's a clear connection, like there's this effort involved. But then we also get to passages like this, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And I did. I made them all small. I don't know how that happened. Don't worry about it. I'll read them to you. You guys know how to squint, right? Okay. Um, I'll read them to you. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and 24 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. The word sanctify is like the action version of holy. Set you apart. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Who's doing it in this verse? God. Who's making somebody holy? God. Who's going to do it? God. I think a verse that grabs it and tries to pull these two things together best for me is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, which say this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, this is Paul speaking, he says this, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation. Work out your own salvation. Work it out. Take it from here, work it out here. With fear and trembling. Sounds like, that sounds like it, something's depending on you, doesn't it? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you both... This is so interesting. Listen to what he says. For it is God who works in you both to will... Think about what will means. That's that inner... In you to, to, to desire to, like the, the decision, the, the direction, both to will and to what? What's it say? Can you see it? Squinters? Work. Some versions say act. The will and the work. For it is God who works in you. So you, gotta, you better work it out. Why? Because it's God who's working in you. Both to will and to work 
for his good pleasure. See, now, until some of you are like, but I, let's start off by just saying, number one, let's just be okay with that. Can you guys be okay with that? Who's doing it? God or you? Yes, both. Can you be okay with that? You better be because that's what the Bible teaches. <laughs> right? You kind of have to be because that's what the Bible teaches. I personally, I'm okay with that. Uh, in fact, the longer I'm a Christian, the more I love it. Man, I work out my salvation, but I, I rest completely assured it is God who's working in me. But man, I, I work it, sweat it. I'm going to go to another passage of Scripture. In fact, I'm going to call this next, this, this sermon today, I'm going to call it um, Make an Effort. Okay? Because of that very idea. Work out your salvation. We're going to kind of lean into that side of it. But I'm going to go to a passage of Scripture that book, bookends our effort. So it's going to start with what God does. It's going to go through some very practical, this is what you do. And, it's going to, and at the end, it's going to come back, God's doing it. Okay, so it's going to bookend them together. Um, this, this particular passage, this is a passage I used to use all the time. In fact, I tried to print out, and the, the, the stupid printer wouldn't work, uh, try to print out a little handout for you that has a, has a diagram on it. You'll see the diagram in a minute. And, and I couldn't get it to print, and I, I gave up. I was like, I forget it. Um, so, but it's an easy diagram, so you'll be able to draw it if you need to. Okay, it's, okay. it's like rectangles. You can do that? You guys ever can draw a rectangle? Okay. This is a, this is a passage I used to use with, um, when I was just a teacher at a Christian school, uh, I, I miss Christian school teaching sometimes just for this very element of being able to tie in and bring in these biblical truths into all sorts of different avenues. And this was a passage of scripture I used to use. So 19 years ago, I would use this with kids who were struggling getting from point A to point B in their, their spiritual walk. Okay? And so I'm going to share this with you today. I think it's a super, super important one. It comes in 2 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to go fairly quickly through here. There's a ton in here. I'm going to go, boom, okay? So get ready to take a, a sip from a water hose, okay? That's what it's going to be like. 2 Peter chapter um, 1, verse 3 starts off here. His divine power has granted to us all things, not some things, all things that pertain to, there's two things there, for those squinters in the room, that pertain to what? Right? Life and godliness. Life. His divine power has granted to you all things that you could ever possibly need for these two areas. Life? How does life? What do you need for life? And for godliness. Now, I want you to think about this word godliness this way. Godliness is... Living life the way God intended you to live it. Now, regardless of where you come from, would you not like the, the way your creator, if you could like eye to eye with your creator, how, how do you, what kind of human do you want me to, if I looked at God and said, what kind of Matt Harmless do you want me to be, God? A, a nice word to describe the, the best version of Matt Harmless is godliness. In fact, the word itself doesn't have, it doesn't have the word God in it, like we've translated godliness. But that's, that's actually what the word means. It's like the best version. That's what it's talking about. 
Okay? So his divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It'd be the best you you could ever possibly be. Okay? Through what? What's it say? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Well, let's start with that divine power. I want to go to another verse real quick and then I'll come right back. That divine power... Uh, Romans 8.11 says this, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. This is a passage talking about living the Christian life. So the power that you have access to is the same power that accomplished what? Raising Jesus from the dead. Now, imagine for a moment, in the tomb, Jesus' dead body. He was really dead. Now, if you're uh, in the medical profession, you know that dead bodies, the cells, begin to break down. Okay? This is actually one of the reasons why they haven't been able to cryogenically freeze somebody and bring them back. Because when they're fr- the, it, it, it breaks down. Everything starts to fall apart down to the, in the microscopic level. That's why you can't, after so long, you, somebody can't be resuscitated. Jesus was dead in a tomb. And then he went, as he was laying there, I've always imagined it this way. I don't know. It doesn't tell us what that moment looked like. But I always imagine him being in the tomb and then just suddenly going. <gasps> Think about the miracle that just happened in that moment. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead, Paul says, is now in you. That's, that is awesome, isn't it? Now, that's what the divine power looks like. Go back to this. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life. We talked about that one. And godliness. But I want you to notice how, what's, what's the avenue through which that divine power comes in this verse. It doesn't say, we know it's the Spirit, that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, but in this verse it says, through something specific. And what did we say a minute ago? You're the one that said it a minute ago? Knowledge of Him. Where do you get your knowledge of Him? There we go. Somebody did it for me. Right there. So His divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness through. The avenue that that's going to take, the way God has orchestrated it to be in your life, the avenue it's going to take is through this. That's why this is central to this whole process. This is why when we preach up here, we preach from this. I'm not going to get up here and give you some nice cliches and tell you some fun stories. And uh, No, it, it's about preaching the Word. This is the Word's of God. And everything you need, this divine power, is going to come through our knowledge of Him in this book. Now there's a ton more that I could talk about here, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep going because I want to get to the, the, the middle chunk here. By which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them, and I'm still even getting this idea, in this book, right, Christ has accomplished these things, but, but through them, look what we get to do. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Let that see. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not preaching on these two verses 
I'm getting ready to move on to the next one. But I want to encourage you this week, take some time, reread these two verses. They're so packed full of ideas here that it'll blow your mind the more you think about what Peter is actually saying here. Partakers, I mean, just think about that phrase right there. Partakers in the divine, you can be a partaker in the divine nature. What does divine mean? God, right? Partake of something, you participate in it. Partakers in the divine nature. But now, notice, this is the book in number one. All of this, what God is doing, He has given you everything that you need. Peter says next this, for this very reason, because of that, because you have everything that you need, for this very reason, he says to do this, make, and hence the title for the sermon today, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And it's going to go on after that, but let's, let's pause here. Let's break this down. Okay. By the way, the word supplement, and I completely forgot till this exact moment. I had a sound clip for you. I wonder if I can play it on my computer. I don't know if I can or not. Can I turn up my volume on my computer and play this thing? I bet I can. I'm going to try, that's for sure. Where is, oh, there it is. Let's try. Let's see if it'll play. Okay, now you're barely going to be able to hear it. It's going to start off real quiet. Can you get your microphone? I think I got a mic. Can you hear it? Hear that one instrument starts? This is the orchestra warming up. Can you hear it? More instruments coming in. Oh, there's more. I'm not going to play the whole thing. Oh, that sounds better. I play that for this reason. The word where it says right there, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement. The word supplement is epi, and it kind of looks like the word for choreography or the word chorus. Epi, like on top, like epi, like epi, right? Like your skin, your epidermis. Epi, choreago. It's the idea that you get when you hear that building sound of an orchestra warming up. So the things that Peter lists off here are not boom, 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 boom. They, 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 they supplement, and that's why we use this word. They supplement. Their, it's like an orchestra. So the first one, the first note starts. Yes, yeah, and it builds, 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 right? So when we listen to these things, don't think of them as completely separate. Now, the illustration I'm going to give you, they're going to look like blocks, okay? But I want you to remember the chori, the, the, this orchestra warming up, all tying together. So the, the one is there, but then it's going to go. And so look at the first one that he says here. Make every effort, he says, make every effort. Work is what that word is. Work at adding to your faith, supplementing to your faith, you know, building into your faith these things. And the first one he says is this. So now let's, let's do the illustration here. We've got a little tower for you. Uh, there's a name for this kind of tower. It's called a ziggurat. And I'm only telling you that because I like saying that word. Try it once. Ziggurat. See, it's fun. Uh, so now, this is the tower, okay? At the very bottom here, I'm going to put faith. Now, I don't want the, the, the illustration falls short because of that 
chorusing together of these things, but I'm going to show, you them, show them to you in this way. This makes total sense to me, though, because that, isn't that how it starts as a Christian? What's, what's step one? Faith. You, you, you believe. I want you to think about faith, not just belief. And I definitely don't want you to think about faith as a sense or a feeling of trust. Faith is that collection of views that encompass who Christ is. That's what faith is. It's not a, a sense or a feeling. I think the best use in the English language of the word faith is like if I say, I, I hold to the Christian faith. When I say it that way, I'm not talking about a sense or a feeling of how I feel about something. I'm talking about a collection of beliefs. That's what this word faith means. It means to believe, but it's this idea of this, like a world view. This is how I view things. And so a person comes into this point and how they view the world. But this is at the bottom of the tower. And so for me, that makes total sense because that's where it all starts. And so many of you, you're like, that's what happened. There was a day you didn't believe, and then one day you did. You go, I believe. He says, supplement that, make every effort to add to that. And the next thing that he says is this, virtue, which is um, goodness, some versions say. I also like this because this is just makes it, this is what happens. I've seen this happen so many times. Somebody gets saved, believe in God, and then to put it in their words, they go, they start being good. Right? Start being good. Trying to be good people. Now, there's all kinds of theological issues with me saying it that way, but that's what I see happen. I see people go, they, they, they get saved, and they're trying to, be, and there is a general sense of good. They start trying to be better than they were. Virtue. Goodness. Be, keep it real simple. You get saved, and people start trying to be good. Don't, don't get that backwards, first off, right? Then he says this one next. Knowledge. Knowledge. Again, in my head makes sense. I've seen this happen again and again and again. I've seen someone, they, they get saved, they believe, they start trying to be good, they start coming to church, and they start learning some stuff about Jesus. And I have multiple times seen this little building stop right there. And maybe you are in that spot. And you've struggled. You've said, I, I got saved, and I felt like I was making some progress. I'm trying to be good. And you're still saying it that way. and I'm trying, I'm trying to be good. And you're learning some stuff about Jesus. You come to church, learn, some, learn a new Bible verse, and you're learning this, and learn some more things about Jesus. But then it kind of, that's where it stops. Now we want to get, and most people want to get to the top part of that, um, which at the very top of this, you're going to see three things up there. Godliness, which remember, what did godliness mean? Living like being the best God's version of you, right? Being the God's version of how you ought to be. So you go, what's my place in this world? What's my purpose in this world? Why am I here? Godliness is you living your life in accord with God's way for you to live. The way your creator designed you to be. The other two things at the top of this you're going to see are brotherly affection, which is literally the word Philadelphia. Brotherly affection. 
and love, unconditional love. And I'm going to tell you right now, no matter how you feel about some of these things, many, many people go, I want to get to that place where how I feel about others is not conditional on how, what they do. To be free of the burden of people, how they treat me, and I can be loving on them regardless, that's unconditional, agape, God's kind of love. That's at the very top of this pyramid. And I think the order here has some matter to us. Because a lot of people go, man, I want to get to that. I want to be this way. I'd love to, to be free of some of these things and just be living life the way God wanted me to live it. And they skip. Do you see that little bracket there? There's two pieces of this building, two elements that need to be choreographed in that people tend to miss. Let's take a look at the next verse, verse 6. And to knowledge, what's the next one say there? Self-control. And self-control, steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. But let's take a look at these one at a time. So the next one up is self-control. Self-control, this word literally means a mastery over oneself. I understand. When I... You know what mine is? You know where self tends to master me instead of me mastering self? Food. Food. This may seem simple to some of you. But for me, it's an issue of self-control. And I've recognized that when I overeat, which is a sin that I have given into myself, and self ran the show. But a, a fruit of the Spirit of God is self control. Literally, to be the boss of you. This is where many struggle. Right here. And I get it. There are a lot of scriptures, I want to show you a few of them, that paint a wonderful image of how we ought to treat self and what we want naturally. Galatians 5.24 Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'm looking right now on those days when, and I'm, a, I'm not going to get into a lot of details, but I, I, I've been choosing some days to fast through the day. Um, I'm trying to expand that fasting element, where I'm, and, and, but I'm making it a spiritual thing where I'm saying, okay, and then every time I go, I want a cheeseburger. I look at self and I go, self, you need to die. You are not in charge here. And your voice is not wanted. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, nailed to the cross, their flesh. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Why? Here's one reason. That we might, what? Die to sin. And live to righteousness. Galatians 
I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Romans 6.11, so you must consider or reckon, think of yourselves as dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Or the words of Jesus, Matthew 16.24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Self-control, I think, is one element, one aspect of this. Flesh, no. I'm using this Biggest Loser competition as practice in denying self. I would encourage you to find elements and ways to do the same. Some of you have addictions and habits and things that are... I'm going to tell you, forget for a moment trying to figure out whether or not that's sinful. If you feel that God is calling you, you ought to do this less. If nothing else, it might be an opportunity to deny self. To exhibit self-control. To look self square in the eye and say, you are not wanted here. You are not in control. And frankly, you need to die. Charity and I, a long time ago, when we talk about these things, we, would, we had a little chant we would do when it came to like denying self. And we'd just go, kill the flesh, kill the flesh, kill the flesh. That's kind of weird, I know. But it, for us, it was, we, we would talk about it, these elements, like when the temptation was there to whatever it, whatever it was, whether it be fear, anxiety, whether it be an addiction, whether it be what, what I mean, you name it. Flesh, you're not in control here. The next one right on top of this is so very important especially in connection with the previous one, as they blend it together and the notes add one on top of another. Steadfastness. Uh, when I think of steadfastness, I think of this. Yes, endurance. You're not going to move me. Go ahead. Come at me. I'm not moving. This is my spot. That's what I think of when I think of stuff. It's planting your feet. When God reveals these things to you, last week maybe, so there were some things that God revealed to you, like, man, I need to change this or that. I might need to adjust this or that. This, right now, I'm counseling with you, right here, right now, if you found that your spiritual growth and you're going, why am I not the, the car that's going boom, and I feel like I'm going, you know, I'm starting to feel like Matt's old Astro van, right? You know, putting around everywhere. My spiritual life is like an old putty car. Why am I not? I think this might nail. There's an aspect, there's a point where you can no longer see. There's some of those things you gave up when you first became a Christian. There's some things that you walked away right away. And frankly, it wasn't that big of a deal. You're like, I didn't really like that stuff anyway. I'm kind of glad to be free of it. But then you hit this point where there's some stuff you go, if you're very 
clear and honest with yourself, you go, I kind of like that stuff. I don't know if I really want to get rid of it. You probably don't. Yourself does not want to do. Ultimately, you don't really, your flesh does not want the things of God. But there's somebody else here now. The Spirit, the same Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead, is dwelling in you. So you, you've, you've probably sensed this. Have you ever had that moment where you go, like, I, I really do want to do the right thing. I do. I know I do. That's God in you. But if you're, if you're very honest with yourself, you go, but I really want to do that too. That's, uh, that's okay. That, that's part of it. You're experiencing what Christians for thousands of years have experienced. The spirit dwelling in you, stirring up these desires. I want to do what God wants. But at the same time, I I hate to admit it, and I'm not going to do it in the middle of church, but I kind of want that too. Right here. Deny that. You find that moment? Don't wait for that to stop being there to start doing what God wants you to do. Don't wait for this to diminish. In fact, I think one of the, the best opportunities you have as a Christian to grow in Christ is when it feels like this voice over here is the loudest and God's voice feels the quietest. When it's almost like you're going, I really, really, I mean, so, use food because that's not as uncomfortable as other things I could bring up right now. Got that. What, 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 what is it you guys like? I always use my examples. What do you guys like? What, what's, it, what's your food temptation? The, what is it? Fried Ooh, fried shrimp. Okay, so that was... <laughs> oh, fried shrimp. Chocolate. Ooh. Butter pecan ice cream. <laughs> What else? That chocolate pie you guys make? Oh, word. <laughs> I don't remember who it was last week. We had that meal, and I was trying to be good, and, and there was that chocolate dessert. There was the chocolate pie, and I was over there looking at it. I don't know if anybody saw me, but I was over there by the table just looking at it. If you saw some drizzle on top that wasn't drizzle, that was drool. <laughs> Do you see that other, the rectangular chocolate dessert? Do you see that one? Some, oh, I know. It was a... It was Starla. She goes, she goes not, not knowing I'm trying to diet, not knowing I'm sitting there in that moment, she goes, oh, that's so good. <laughs> Are you kidding? You should have a... Well, I try to like downplay it. Well, I'm trying to, you know, be good. And she, oh, but it's ju just a piece. I know she had no idea. <laughs> I'm like... I, I didn't do it because I know she, she just, she didn't mean anything by it, but I, I almost had to go, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> I, I didn't do that, though. I didn't do that. But, but that's, you, you know that feeling? Right there. I mean, right there. Now, what, what, let, let yourself think about what it is for you. I'm using the food example because it's, it's not too uncomfortable. But there's some other things that you might be struggling with that you might have. It could be a, just a, a wide variety. You name it. Yes. Okay, I'm ready for it. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
hospital. A nurse, when they dismissed me, a doctor said, now, you may experience this. If you do, this is what you're experiencing. Let's yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. I remember being so sick in my room that Saturday afterwards, I was doing these withdrawals, Mm-hmm. I know people who are dead, family members of my family. Yeah. Because of a medical situation, and they say, oh, that's when it first will start. Mm-hmm. A surgery or something like that. Wasn't the intention. What did I do with that thought? Yeah. I said, Mom, I'm not withdrawal. Let's deal with this. Let's face this. Yeah. I'm not going there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... Could we, could we say, without getting into it a whole lot here today, maybe next week, you guys getting a glimpse of what's coming, because um, I'm doing that flop thing, right, where I, I do kind of the idea, then we're going to get through some specifics. Maybe I'm going to do that next week. Hmm. Um, I won't have anybody here. Uh, I shouldn't have told you. Um, it's, yeah. If, is, is that an issue in the society that we live in today? Oh, man. And I don't want to ever diminish the physical medical side of how that plays into it, but I'm telling you right here, there's also a spiritual side, and it looks like this. Self, you, there, there's at some point in the middle of all of it where you have to say, self, no. I've had times in my life struggling with different sins where I have verbally said that out loud. I was by myself, usually. Sometimes there's other people around, but then that's, then you have to do some explaining. But uh, no. 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 Deny self. But then there comes a point where you have to go, not just once, not just twice, not just three times, but you've got to plant your feet. Uh-uh. No, I don't care. Flesh. And it, this is where it gets so weird as a Christian. We're, who, who am I battling in that moment? Now, you could throw in, oh, there's you know, these power, these spiritual power. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't even need Satan to be working on me. He could be off in some other country. I'm battling me, Matt, old Matt, flesh Matt. Flesh Matt is, is sinful. And I, no, and then I have to plant my feet and I'm having this, this battle with me. And I mention all of this to say, if you're sitting there going, there must be, I, I used to struggle as a Christian because I used to think in that battle, I thought there was something wrong with me as a Christian because I was battling. I thought if I was a good Christian, wouldn't I just stop wanting? There's no place in the Bible that's going to tell you that's what's going to happen. It, what's going to happen is you're going to start wanting the things of God, but it, the, the, by no means do these things just go away. Wouldn't that be nice if they did? I mean, what, what a cakewalk Christianity would be if like, when you got saved, suddenly you didn't even want to do any of the bad stuff anymore. That would be... Oh, I, would, I wish that was the case. It's not. And if you struggle, if you, if you find yourself in those moments, I don't want anybody that ever comes to this church to think, there must be something wrong with me that I'm, I want that vile thing. No, you're, you're just a, you're a Christian. There's something right that you, that you recognize that there's something wrong. That's great. But right here is where you 
you've got to plant your feet. Self, when God reveals to you, now there might be some things that God has not revealed to you yet that are sinful and you don't even know it yet. But as your eyes are opening, you go, okay, that's sinful now. I know that. Plant those feet. All right. You get knocked over, you're going to the first few times. Get back up. Righteous man falls seven times, and what's he do? Gets back up again. All right, self, you got me that time, not this time. Plant those feet. Now, I want to go quickly through the rest of this, because I think that right there, that captures what I want to get across to you today. After this comes godliness, which is where we want to be, living life God's way. The verse says, and godliness with brotherly affection. There's that Greek word Philadelphia, and with brotherly affection, love. Now we're still adding and building, making every effort. But Peter says this in verse 8, for these qualities are yours and are increasing. Okay, so that's where the picture of the building kind of falls apart. Because each one of them now starts to build. They're all building. They're, each one is, this is mine. It's increasing. When you're adopting these things in, they keep you. What do they do? They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten, losing assurance, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent. There it is at work again, right? Flowing through here. Be all the more diligent to confirm your... Remember I said there was bookends here? Here's the other end. You confirm your calling and, see that next word? Election. If I not clicked? Oh, no, it's there. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to close at this point here. I hope, my hope is that middle of that is what sticks with you this week. In what ways can I deny self, take up my cross, follow after Christ, and be steadfast, keep at it this week? In what ways can I do that? I guarantee that you're going to have some of those moments this week, and I hope that you walk into those moments, knowing there's not something wrong if you're in that battle, that struggle. But man, fight it. Fight it. Deny the flesh. I'm going to, at this time, we're going to take communion together. And uh, let me grab my Bible. Let me bring it down here. I could have my ushers come on up.
1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Paul the Apostle writes, and I'll read through this again in just a moment, if I want to read through it now. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. We've got some bread up here today. He took bread. And what did he do with that bread? What did he do? He broke it. This is my body, which is for you. Picture that bread being broken and passed around to his followers, his disciples. He then does this. Um, about the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my... What, and what does this represent? In my what? Blood. You picture Christ pouring that. And the impact that would have had on his disciples as he poured out their cup. This represents a new covenant in my blood. Heavenly Father, I just ask now that as we partake of this together this morning, that it would be full of meaning. Lord, that we would bring to remembrance your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen.